get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we talk shop across District 4 week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined today by the Mad Hatter. What's up? You know, I, I have realized that uh, I wear way too many hats. I was right before we came on, I was out in the main athletic office with uh, my secretary talking and and, uh, and I just turned her and I go, I, I, wear, I wear way too many hats. And because I just got done teaching a class um, by my own volition, I decided to, for 20 plus years, I've coached uh, the Jerome speech team. And uh, when I became AD, I kind of gave it up, but I took it back this year. Um, and we're going to kind of teach a new person how to, how to run it. So I'm teaching that class, uh, doing AD. I still have vice principal duties on top of that, um, doing this, which I love and, uh, running one, two, two side hustle businesses and then teaching. I have three IDLA classes I'm teaching and I'm thinking, you know, somebody asked me today, Hey, when are you free to meet? And I said, well, anytime between three eleven AM and three fourteen AM, I can pencil you in, you know? And I'm like, Holy crap, I got to take a hat off here and there. <laughs> so hence the Mad Hatter. Yeah. I was going to say, it was ironic that you're actually not even wearing a hat, but then as you began to explain, these are uh, metaphorical hats, not physical hats. Yeah, no, so. very, very metaphorical, but you know, it's either that or the juggler, you know, one of the two juggling all these things together. So, yeah. but I wouldn't have it any other way. I'd get too bored. Otherwise I think. That's right. Well, it sounds like you have a kind of a succession plan in place for, for the speech part of it with the Jerome team, right? Well, if I can ever get myself to give it up, mm. you know, we've been, um, you know, the, when, I, I mean, I, I'll just throw it out there and this is why I don't want to give it up because uh, I coached it for 23 years and um, before taking the AD job. And in those 23, uh, we won 20 state titles. And the three times that we didn't, we took second. Wow. Uh-oh. Scott froze up. <laughs> we might have to kick him out and uh, retry. This, this is what happens. Scott gets uh, – oh, there you go. Boy, you glitched for a second there. I think you were yeah, – uh, I think you glitched. <laughs> no, 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 no. You froze up on my – your head was getting so big talking about your 20 state titles in 23 years. It jammed up go. the system. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not me. It's the kids. I just try not to get in their way. Okay, last last question about speeches, and then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about this week. Do you, do you have a favorite all-time speech? It's been delivered throughout history. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, you know the fun, funny thing is, some of the, the best speeches that I use as uh, examples come from movies. You know, I mean, I, the one that popped into my head right away was uh, Balboa, you know, uh, the speech he gave his son. You know, I use that one as, as a motivation. I use, um, you know, uh, any, any given Sunday, Pacino had a great speech. 
Yeah. You know, those are ones there that you can use to, to talk about how to word something, you know, even though they're not real, they they're presented in a way that you're trying to emulate, you know? So I use a lot of those. That's pretty good. Uh, I will give you two quick ones. Uh, non-sports category, give me Liberty or give me death. <laughs> little Patrick Henry for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Colonial times, uh, uh sports category it's got to be uh when the late jim valvano uh went oh, up on stage yeah. at the espies in, yeah. in 1993 i mean he was weeks away from succumbing to cancer he, he physically could barely stand but he delivered you know a 17 minute speech that just yeah man, every year i watch it and it's just great yeah. so well you know and, and and that one is so good because it is such a raw emotion and that's that's the part that you don't really get when, you know, you use those movie speeches. I mean, those are obviously uh, canned and practiced, but that raw motion there. There's another one that jumped out when you talked about getting on stage uh, that I really liked was uh, Matthew McConaughey when he was talking about chasing himself five years down the road, 10 years down the road. Um, that one was a really good one too, with a very strong message. So yeah, there's all those little tiny bits and pieces of speeches that uh, we try to snip it out and use uh, to show these kids, hey, whatever. But, you know, there's like 14 different categories these kids are competing in, you know, from sales to informative to persuasive to, you know, radio to whatever. So, I mean, it is so diverse. It is so crazy, this whole speech world, that I somehow found myself <laughs> in 20-some-odd uh, years ago. Um, but so much fun. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And here we are. I, I didn't even think we would be talking about speech uh, here at the start of the show, but that's that's why it's so entertaining. You never know what you're going to get here on the Magic Valley Prep Cast. Um, no, you don't. Well, in, in the theme of today's show, it's going to be somewhat Jerome heavy, not because, you know, we're playing favorites, but because there's been a lot of noteworthy things happening at Jerome lately, including Last night, Scott, you know, I was, we usually do the podcast on Wednesdays and I was like, you know, you want to do the, record the show on Wednesday. And you said, well, we better hold off because we got a pretty big wrestling event uh, taking place that I, that I want to be able to talk about. So we held mm -hmm. off. We're recording this on Thursday, the 26th. And last night, uh, Jerome welcomed in a couple of big time powers uh, on the wrestling mats. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a night of wrestling we had. We had, you know, uh, a try match at our place, obviously Jerome, one of the, you know, top four, a teams. And we welcomed in the number one ranked three, a team in South Fremont and the number two ranked three, a team in Buell. And, uh, we had, uh, you know, two mats going JV and girls on a continuous cycle on this one, just rolling through it all. And then, um, we had South Fremont and Buell wrestle and against each other. And then we had Jerome take on South Fremont. And then we had Jerome take on Buell. And I tell you what, South Fremont is legit. I mean, they have got guys up and down every weight class. Um, they have got, look at these guys to not just win the 3A, but to dominate the three a, I mean, these guys have got state champs up and down their roster, all Americans, you name it. I, I was so impressed with how strong they were. Uh, they were able to, you know, they, they really took care of Buell and then, uh, they beat us too. And, and then, uh, when we turn around and we beat Buell, um, but Holy cow, 
that's that's an amazing program. Yeah, they are. They are the gold status in 3A wrestling. Uh, as a reminder, we do have a separate standalone wrestling podcast we do live every week on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter uh, account, the Matt Chat Prepcast. And we, we end up talking about all these Buell, South Fremont, Jerome, yeah. uh, pretty much every week. South Fremont dueled Meridian earlier this year, the two-time 5A champs, and they beat Meridian. Um, in a duel, which it, I mean, tells you how yeah. legit they are. Oh yeah, I mean, South Fremont is arguably the best team in all divisions. Period. The end. Five A, six A, twelve A doesn't matter. Those guys are so good <laughs> that uh, they would they would challenge any five A team, and oh, and they have obviously. Um, and you talk about the the Matt Matt chat. Um, my um, secretary in the other room there, uh, she is addicted to the Matt chat. Uh, so she has, she's got a granddaughter that wrestles for us. And, uh, and so she is learning all about wrestling and it's been something that she's never, you know, really kind of exposed herself to. But now that her, we started the girls wrestling this year, her granddaughter is, is doing it. And, uh, and boy, I tell you what, I walk in and she's got the mat chat on and, and listening in, I'm like, okay, welcome to Idaho sports. <laughs> she's like, I know I have, I've already listened to you guys' podcast. Now I'm listening to Matt chat. And I'm like, we got her <laughs> and another one bites the dust. We That's got right. That's um, right. Yeah. And, and I will tell you, I think the only team that has beaten South Fremont head to head this year, Scott, you're not going to like this being a Jerome. It's Minico. Minico. <laughs> yep. yep. That I can so. see because that they are powerhouses too. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, three, a South Fremont's going to run away with it. Um, Minico should repeat. They're, they're that loaded, that good, bringing a lot of people back. So um, that match right there, Minico and South, would have been a fun one to watch. You know, so. Yes. And, and it's right around the corner. Yeah, State is uh, fast approaching. Minico actually is kind of uh, hosting the premier event this weekend, the, the annual Red Halverson yeah. invite. So that's going to be going on at Minico. I will say in defense of Buell, all, all our Buell fans that are watching slash mm-hmm. listening to the prep cast, Buell is a little banged up right now, so I don't I don't know yeah. if it was the full lineup that was battling South Fremont. I I think Buell yeah. has an outside chance at at getting that three A title, but they a lot of things got to break their way. But well, and I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you made that point too because, um, you know, I was talking to to Kelly Bartlett, uh, one of the coaches, and uh, who's been a friend of mine forever. In fact, when I was in high school, he was uh, on the football coaching staff when I played um, many many moons ago. But uh, he was telling me the same thing. You know, it's just like, yeah, we're, we're just, we're banged up right now. You know, we're not healthy. And, you know, so, yeah, even though South Fremont did dominate, I, I don't, they didn't get a healthy Buell team. And Buell is every bit as deserving of that number two ranking behind South Fremont. And you're right, never say never, but they will have to have a few things break their way. But uh, Buell is a legit wrestling program this year as well. I don't want to take anything away from them. Yeah, they're they're a team that's uh, been fun to watch. Uh, certainly, all right. Let's, let's one more thing really quick about that too. And yeah, you get that situation going. There's a lot of chess playing going on with coaches about who they're going to let wrestle. Um, you know, because they know that maybe they want to send a message to another school or another team where they don't wrestle against this team, but they will against this team. Like they they won't put their you know, 182 in that match, but they will in this one. So there's some strategery going around. And so when you get these kind of things, you know, you know that that's happening. 
Um, we didn't do it because we had nothing to lose. I mean, Buell and South were both 3A powerhouses. So I'm, I know they were kind of jockeying some of that stuff around uh, a little bit too. Um, so um, when you get those teams together, yeah, there's there's some chess, chess matches going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift from the wrestling mats where things are pretty clear cut over to the very messy world of the Great Basin Conference in both girls and boys basketball. Let's 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 start on the girls side. You've still got Minico as the team that's in. So everybody in the Great Basin pretty much in girls basketball is one regular season game left. And then we're going to get into district play next week. In fact, Scott, statewide tonight. The very first girls district tournament game takes place. Do you, do you know what it is? Trivia time. Do you know what the first postseason girls basketball game is going to be? It's tonight. It's going to be. Hmm. It's going to be. I don't know. <laughs> so I have no idea. It's at this. <laughs> it's, I couldn't get it. Couldn't get yeah. It. No, it's it's at the smallest level, 1A D2, District 5 and 6. It's a nine-team conference, and there's an eight versus nine play-in game. It is Taylor's Crossing, a private Christian school in Idaho Falls, against the Clark County Bobcats, the pride of Dubois. You ever been to Dubois, Scott? Uh, I, yeah, I, I have, and I cannot I, – I, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that it's not lovely this time of year, but I just can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't recall why I was even there. Yeah, but, it was. It, it, it's. Yeah, about that. Yep. So that so the postseason postseason starts tonight. We'll have again all the girls district brackets up on our website, idahosports.com, and next week. Scott will probably put the brackets up on the screen and kind of go through the Magic Valley stuff and what's happening with girls basketball districts because re really outside of that one league in east idaho things really get started next week for postseason basketball so anyways yeah. bringing it back to the magic valley uh with you know great basin has pretty much one game left for everybody minico still leads the way at 10 and 1 but then you've got this log jam where mountain home jerome and twin falls are all seven and four and tied for second and and the big story last week was Minico at ten and one. The lone blemish came to the Jerome Tigers. Jerome gets it done and yeah. wins in a very tight game, fifty-one to fifty. Yeah, that really kind of did a lot um, to mess up the standings for starters. Not so much for Minico, um, but the 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 mess that you just mentioned with you know, twin and mountain home and Jerome and whatever. And depending on how everything shakes out, we were going through this yesterday. If this team beats this team, but this team, it looked like the NFL playoff scenario, right? So we could either be the two, three or four seed going in, depending on how things shake out. But uh, that, that game against uh, Minico was, was a really good shot in the arm for us because we came out of the Christmas break, just really kind of lethargic, you know, and, and teams do that sometimes. They just have a hard time finding the rhythm again. And that was us. Uh, our girls, but uh, for some reason they they showed up that night and uh, just battled. And I tell you what, Lotta, uh, CJ Lotta is legit. I mean, that's that's a D one player right there. Um, she single handedly kept her team in the ball game, which she does all the time, you know. But uh, we were tied at half, twenty eight twenty eight. 
battled in the third, came out in the, you know, towards the beginning of the fourth, end of the third, and stretched a lead out to 10. And we started to pull away. And Lotta would have nothing to do with that. So she kind of started making her move. And next thing you know, it was a one-point game. And our girls would step to the line and start missing free throws. Um, plenty of opportunities to ice it and put it away and extend the lead, make it two, three possession game, but they never did. And so it came down to the final seconds to where um, F of F, some more missed free throws. Uh, Minico had a, a shot down by one to win it. And uh, defensively, we kind of rose up and, and didn't allow him to get the shot off. And we tiptoed out of there with a huge win over Minico. And, you know, teams like Minico, that that might wake them up a little bit too, let them know they're not impervious to anybody, uh, that they could be beaten on any night as well. And so sometimes in that situation where you're the number one team and you finally take a loss, it kind of just sharpens your edges just a little bit. You know, so it will be interesting to see what happens in this district tournament um, because any team – can beat any team. I think Minico still is head and shoulders night in and night out better than, than everybody else. But in a one game scenario or whatever it is, anybody can fall. Yeah. And it's, it's been fascinating to watch all of these teams grapple uh, for control of the league this year, because really the last three seasons, especially the last two, I mean, Burley has had just a grip on, on this league to the point where they've, they've dominated. Right. And obviously they, they lose coach Whiting and Amari Whiting and that created this void. And we were all wondering, okay, which, which team is going to step in and, and take this thing because there was no shortage of good teams. And I, I honestly, I still don't know. I could, I could tell you these two teams for sure are going to be the teams that represent this district at state mountain home is the team that's got the most experience in terms of the postseason, right? And, and getting to state among this new group, but for Minico, Jerome twin, this is all kind of new territory. Yeah, it, it is. And, and you look at this conference and, you know, you've got three teams with, with, well, four teams in the conference with winning records. Um, and, you know, Minico sitting, ahead of the conference and will be the number one seed going in. I mean, but mountain home with a 16 and four record and all four of their losses are conference losses. One of them to us um, and coach Keener and, and, you know, Maddie Keener, their point guard. I mean, they're the ones that kind of drive that ship and they're very capable of, of pulling an upset. I don't even want to say an upset when they're the possibly the number two seed, but I mean, that's a team that could do some damage uh, in the tournament as well, and maybe sneak into the state tournament. Um, you know, we're hopeful that Jerome can battle and and do that. But Twins, one of those weird ones, because you know, Twins sits with a seven and four record, a nine and ten record overall. But that nine and ten record is a little misleading because of of who they play, and they have been you know our nemesis because they beat us twice. You know, um, so it's it's been a kind of a weird weird thing with twin um but they could they could sneak in there as, as well so who the heck knows it's going to be a wild tournament i'll tell you that much yeah this this is a guard driven league keener for mountain home uh cj lada for minico um egbert hallie egbert for twin falls kind of stirs the drink there what, what is jerome is it are, is jerome led by guards or is it more inside out no it's we're we're very guard oriented um 
you know, we can put four guards on the floor uh, that can that can shoot a little bit. But it, I, I think we, we just don't have like really that standout player like the Lotta, like the Keener. Uh, we we just have a bunch of girls that can just get it done. They play hard. They play scrappy, and you know they eat a, a ton of gummy bears. Uh, I, I kid you not. I, every game I go to, they are sitting together with this ginormous bag of gummy bears, and that's what they do. And they're they're kind of getting a, a reputation for being the gummy bear people. And it's a practice too. They go get a drink of water, handful of gummy bears, and it's like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> But it's kind of their staple and kind of their thing. And they're a ton of fun, but they play hard and they're energized by gummy bears. Oh, that's so uh that's so strange. But uh <laughs> hey, if they keep if they keep on winning, then um you'll have to it's it's like uh in baseball or softball where you've got the huge container of the double bubble. You'll just have yeah. to get a huge container of gummy bears to have on that bench. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, they are they have stock in in the uh hat how what is it called the the harry bow there, yeah that's it right there um <laughs> they've got i know they got stock in that so yeah there's and every time i walk by them hey coach burton you want some gummy bears <laughs> <laughs> and you know what comes to my mind ferris bueller it's been in my pocket it's warm or whatever that was oh. when they all, at the end you know, I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I am thinking that. I know they're not thinking that because that's too old school for this generation, right? Yes. So anyway, stuff that yeah. goes on in my head, Brandon. Well, that's why you've got you. We need all those hats for you to occupy because when your mind is idle, you think about Ferris Bueller and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk some Great Basin Conference boys basketball, Scott. I'm convinced. I'm convinced nobody wants to. Nobody wants to win this thing, and I, I say that jokingly, of course. It, it reminds me a lot of the Big Twelve in college basketball right now, where the league is just a gauntlet, and winning on the road can be difficult. You've got currently in the league standings, Jerome and Twin tied for first. They're both five and three. Twin just beat Jerome by three earlier this week. Then you've got Minico and Canyon Ridge both at four and three, and then Wood River at three and four, Mountain Home at three and five, and Burley at two and five. Let's let's talk real quick first of all about that Twin Jerome game that happened a yeah. couple nights ago. Yeah, that, I mean that was I mean honestly it was just a lackluster effort on on our part. There was just the, the motor never got started, and yet we were you know in the game the whole time. And it was on our floor, and that was a golden opportunity missed, you know, because we are currently at the top of the standings. Um, but that split will be interesting because now Minico, for the longest time, they were they were the ones that were in charge, you know. But when Brevin got hurt, that kind of opened the door just a little bit. He's back playing now, but but uh, I mean, he's obviously. Minico's everything right now, um, but it, it equaled up the conference a little too. And you know, and Twin, even with their record being what it is, that's not a bad team. They have got a couple of dudes there, uh, the Mix kid, uh, the Prusel kid, that can just flat out score. And if you can't contain them, then you might be in for a long night because they're always going to play solid defense. You know, that's. 
you know, kind of twins MO. And what they did is they came out in this one, three, one, um, that just really stymied our, our kids on the perimeter because it, it, it just got them out of rhythm, you know? And so even the shots that we were getting were just not in a rhythm. And if you understand basketball and how things work, you know, you get an open shot, that's great. But sometimes if it's not kind of within your offense or it's not in a rhythm of any kind, it's, it's a little bit tougher to make. And so we were getting those, but not making them. We get a couple of those things to fall. That whole game changes, even though we didn't come out and play as hard as we wanted to. But this conference right here is is anybody's, you know. And Canning Ridge is really kind of a wild card, just because what are they going to do when they have to play without Lapuma in the district tournament? You know, so you don't know how that's going to go because they're a completely different team without him, and. Right now, they know that they're not going to have him for district and state. So there's some interesting stuff going on there. How are you preparing your kids for that tournament, knowing that you're going to lose your your stud? And what's it going to be like? So do you play him a lot down the stretch of the regular season to hopefully get a better seed? Or, or how do you manage that? And I think that's really interesting because otherwise, why would you play him? because you want your other guys to gel and learn how to play together. So that's a huge wild card. And that Wood River team, you know, don't sleep on them. They're pretty decent. And, you know, you don't think too much about Wood River boys basketball, you know, year in and year out. But this particular team has got some players, you know, and and they could uh, upset somebody as well. So I'm, I'm looking at, you know, obviously Jerome, Twin, Minico, Canyon Ridge, Wood River, it, who knows, you know, and Burley's struggling, Mountain Home's struggling a little bit, but those top four teams I just mentioned, flip a coin right now. Yeah, and, and Wood River was the team that kind of started hot out of the gate, and they've mm-hmm. kind of fizzled a little bit lately, but yes, they have that potential there uh, for sure. The the Lapumba thing with Canyon Ridge, I think they're trying to balance – they they want to get him to college, right? He wants to go to, to the next level and compete. Yes. And so you have to allow him to be able to showcase his abilities while at the same time, you know, not give him 40 mm-hmm. minutes a night. Cause then yeah. you're not developing this. So it is, it's an interesting situation for sure at Canyon Ridge. Yeah. And then well, I know that CSI is, is coming after him. Yeah. Um, big time. You know, they were, when we played over there, the whole CSI men's team was over there um, trying to, you know, recruit him. And I'm not sure where there are in that process right now. Um, I would assume that that's a really good fit right now for him, but you're right. That's another aspect. You know, you can't just sit the guy if he's got next level talent. So yeah, I mean, that's interesting, interesting scenario over there for sure. Definitely. Uh, There were a couple of CSI men's basketball players at the game. I was at last night, Scott, I was with uh, Jonathan drew on magic Valley game night on idahosports.com for the annual river rivalry game, Burley right. and Minico. That, that place was packed. I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was not uh, an empty seat in the house. It was rocking and rolling and Burley goes on the road and wins 46 to 40. So the Bobcats are now three and 13 overall two and five in the league. And I'll be honest, that's the first time I've seen Burley play this year. And I kept asking myself, I said, how have they not won more games? Because they, they defended really well. 
uh, despite giving up some size to Minico. And and they shot the ball pretty well from from the three point line. That to me was the difference in the game. Minico couldn't get anything from the outside, and Burley hit. Especially uh, we got to the the start of the third quarter, and Burley had gone five and a half minutes without scoring, um, and so they still had the lead, but it was dwindling. And Minico was making a run, and next thing you know, on back to back possessions, Stockton Sheets hits a three, Sawyer Condal hits a three. And Minico never really got back into it after that. Um, and so for Burley, I was pretty impressed. Stockton Sheets was our player of the game, IdahoSports.com player of the game. He had 22 points. Um, and that was with fouling out in the fourth quarter of action. Um, so he was able to do that still despite fouling out. Condal played really well. I was really impressed with him. Ryan Jensen is probably the smallest guy out there at 5'7", but I'll tell you what, he's a spark plug and isn't afraid to go initiate contact. So I was pretty impressed with Burley. And for Minico, you could tell they were just out of sync a little bit. They they held serve in the first half by attacking Brevin Trankle, driving to the basket, drawing contact, and going to the free throw line. And then JT Garza kind of got hot a little bit right before halftime as well. And then in the second half, both teams were in foul trouble. It was a physical game. Multiple guys fouled out on both sides. Riker Stimson was in foul trouble most of the night for Minico, and I thought that was really key because he's a lead guard for them, and and they really missed him out on the floor. And it got to the point where in the fourth quarter, uh, Brevin Trankel hadn't scored since the second quarter, and Burley was basically shutting off the 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 dribble drive. So anytime anybody tried to drive to the basket, there were two defenders there to block that off. It got to the point where Brady Trankel started posting up Brevin on the block down low in the fourth quarter to try and get him going, and he he did get to the foul line a couple more times. But to me, it was really interesting watching these two coaches mix and match and and go against one another. But, man, that was a good win for Burley, I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was. And um, three, four, five, six. I mean, it broke like a nine-game losing streak that Burley had. But, uh, you know, they say about rivalry games. I mean, you throw records out the window, and especially when it comes to, to Burley and Minico. But, you know, I kind of walk back a, a little bit, want to add to what I was saying about the conference. This, you're right, this Burley team, even though they've won three games, is talented. I mean, they are better than their record. And they just are, are not getting the consistency. And they have these droughts. But then all of a sudden, they just catch fire. You know, it's just it's it's weird because, you know, we went over there a couple uh, last week, I think it was, and our boys jumped out to a twenty-two to nothing lead. You know, I mean, before you could blink, we're up twenty-two nothing, and they didn't quit. Burley didn't quit. Next thing you know, they're chipping away, and then they got hot behind the arc with Sheets leading the way, and then Trevino got going in the paint a little bit, and next thing you know, they have cut it to like a one point game in the fourth quarter. They came all the way back, you know, so, and that was over at Burley. So that particular team does have some pieces that could possibly pull an upset as well, you know? So, yeah, I, I know I mentioned the top four, but God, Burley is just, they, they can do it. But, you know, you look at who they've been playing too. I mean, you know, the, all those losses, uh, they went to a holiday tournament and lost to Star Valley, Wyoming, they lost to Spring Creek, Nevada. I mean, they've lost to Bonneville, Century, Preston, uh, Pocatello in that stretch. And and there's some good teams I just mentioned. You know, so that's a team that might be a little bit better than the record, obviously. 
Yeah. And uh, Minico basketball fans, we will be back at Minico two more times next week, next Tuesday night. Minico hosts Pocatello in a pretty juicy non-conference battle. The Thunder are still undefeated in 4A hoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then next Thursday night, we'll be there for Jerome and Minico uh, as well on, on the boys' side. So we'll have two That'll games. That'll be interesting, too, because that might carry some uh, some seeding implications for the district tournament. Yeah. You know? and, that, and Minico is a tough place to play. Yeah. So that, 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 could be, that could be a really fun game. Yes, so I I will be there uh, for both of those games next week at Minico. That should be a really good time. All right, let's take our weekly uh, stop over to the 1AD1 Snake River Conference, Scott. Time to profile a different team. This time we're going to talk about Shoshone. Uh, the Shoshone girls have had a really nice season. Now, they've their overall record's been dinged a little bit just because of the conference they play in, but, man, they still have had a really nice season. They're in the top six of the league standings. They hosted Kerry earlier this week in what ended up being a really close battle. You know, Kerry kind of had to hold on as Shoshone made a late rally and Kerry ends up winning by three. Um, But also before the game, um, they had kind of a a special ceremony for Tim Chapman, who's been uh, he's the athletic director at Shoshone. He's been the the girls basketball coach for a long time there. Um, And he is uh, he's going to be hanging it up when the season is over. So he got a nice little tribute and uh, it was a really special night out there in Shoshone. Yeah, you know, and when you talk about just really good people that are in the sport, Tim Chapman is near the top of that list. I mean, th- this guy, I mean, he's been a friend of mine for for quite a while, but uh, I mean, he really is one of the good guys, you know, that you hate to see leave. I mean, he's been the staple of the Shoshone community. Um, 32 years of coaching, I mean, which is insane. You know, he's won 533 games as a head coach, uh, been to state 17 times, you know, has taken a fourth place trophy home, uh, four third place trophies home, a couple of second place trophies home from state and, and has won two state titles. You know, I mean, so 11 district championships, you know, conference coach of the year 15 times. I mean, state coach of the year twice. I mean, this guy is one of uh, the more influential basketball coaches for his community than uh, you'll find anywhere, and, and just a really good stand-up guy. And I was talking to him a little bit um, this week and asked him, kind of, how did you know it was time to retire? I mean, 32 years, what's 33 and 34? You know, whatever. Kind of all blurs together after a bit. And, um, you know, he said he thought about retiring after the 2019 season. Um, when they won a state state title, right? Um, but he got a letter from his daughter Carly, that uh, who's going into her freshman year and asking if he could coach her for four more years, if if he would stay. And uh, so he decided, all right, when she's done, I'm done. And she's now a senior, and she's playing some great ball. I mean, she's average, and you know, his daughter's averaging 15.7 boards a game. And um, and he's like, well, what more could I ask for? You know, I'm, I'm going out, um, leaving as my daughter graduates, you know? So, I mean, what a storybook ending that goes, because when you're a coach, you can hang it up with your kid like that, man, that's, that's awesome. And so that's what's happening over there. Yeah. That'll be a really, uh, 
uh, a really fun journey to see how Shoshone can navigate this this district tournament that we talked about with Oakley and Raft River and Cary and Murtaugh and Lighthouse and and Shoshone. That's six really good teams that are going to be fighting for for two spots to state. And Scott, you're going to have a front row seat for for most of it. It's going to be mostly at Jerome High School. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm trying to balance out, you know, everything that we've got going on to accommodate these teams. Um, and yeah, that's going to be all happening here at Jerome and, you know, we're excited to see it and I'm excited to see, you know, Tim kind of coaches last, hopefully not his last games, you know, and he moves on to state, but there's a, obviously that possibility, um, you know, and I, I just want to talk a little bit more about Tim just because of the impact that he's had and the conversations that we've had, uh, asked him to share kind of some funny stories and, whatever. And what one stuck out to me, he said in 1995, um, they were playing for a state championship and with about 15 to 20 seconds left in the first half, Tim gets rung up with a technical, right? Big deal. Um, he said the girl double dribbled and I let the rep know that <laughs> as we went into halftime. But the funny thing is at halftime, the presentation for the sportsmanship award was given and Shoshone won it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure at that moment, everybody's like, what? You know, so and I found that pretty, pretty funny uh, as well. Um, so, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that's a, he, he's the ultimate coach. I mean, he's superstitious. And he told me that he's thrown out ties that he's worn because they lost in that tie. Um, and they he's known for the Chapman time, which means he, Tim's one of those guys that is he lives by the 15 minute rule, you know, basically says if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. And so they call that the Chapman rule. And everybody over there knows it. You know, when you're dealing with Tim, you better make sure that you're there. Um, so um, he did tell me, too, that, uh, you know, he goes in 32 years, I've I've never missed a call. <laughs> And, you know, you're talking about his relationship with the officials. Uh, and, and if you know Tim, what he looks like, he, he wears glasses. And uh, one of the things he likes to tell the officials, too, um, is that. He goes, I've never missed a call in 32 years. You know, I have four eyes. You have two. And it seems to work for him, you know. But he's well-respected enough to, to get away with stuff like that. And so, um, you know, when they gave him that presentation before the game, you know, people got up and said some stuff and, and, uh, and they said that he always has a note card in his pocket, um, at all times. And so apparently he's got a note card with him as well as a red marker. You know, those two things never leave him. And, um, he, uh, see, so he goes, he, he does stats every night after every game. He goes, some clothes have never been worn again due to a bad game. Um, you know, his, his daughter has picked out his tie for the last few years, you know, so whatever he's wearing is her choice. And, um, and in that gym in Shoshone, he's been the only girls basketball coach uh, in that gymnasium. And so, you know, there's just so much about this guy that over the last 32 years uh, that he's influenced all of his players, uh, fellow coaches, uh, his community. And so when somebody like this does step down, you know, it, it is worth talking about. You know, because, I mean, that's dedicating your life to a sport 
to the development of, of athletes and to young men and women. Uh, and so, you know, the basketball world's going to be, you know, have a void to fill with Tim leaving, you know, cause he has just been that kind of good guy. He's still going to stay on and do AD stuff, but uh, the basketball world's certainly going to miss him. And so happy basketball retirement uh, to one of the best guys I know, Tim Chapman. Yeah, that's uh, you know, the next time we're, we're talking about the gym there, you know, it's probably going to be the Tim Chapman gymnasium, right? That's the <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you get. Really. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for if, sure. he's been, if he's been the only coach there. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is now the second uh, retirement in the magic Valley this year where it's a long-standing coach with long-standing ties to the community and during football season, Lane Kirkland, the longtime carry coach, you know, yep. uh, retired. And so, uh, it's, they're like unicorns coaches like, like Tim and lane are becoming more and more rare. The burnout is real with coaches where oh even, ten, if, even if you make it 10 years, that's a, that's a good run nowadays. And yeah. so to see these long standing coaches retire, it's, it is a little sad, but at the same time, it's also great to like, you know, uh, look back and reminisce at everything they've yeah. done as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and they are a dying breed. These, these long-term coaches, because I mean, you think of the things that uh, Lane and, and Tim have seen and the changes that have happened in the game, the society uh, demands, uh, all of it is it's, it's so different than when they started and kudos to them for sticking it out as long as they did, because, you know, coaching in this world versus coaching back in the day, I mean, it's night and day. And so, yeah, the burnout is real because, you know, back then it, it really was season to season. You know, you coach in your season, you move on. You coach in your season, move on. I mean, everything was simple and which attracted a lot of people to uh, the sport. And now it's not like that. It's, it's year round. It's specializing. It's, you know, AAU, which wasn't around back, you know, that long ago, but now it is a completely different animal. And if you're not committed to it 100% with the time and your family better be on board and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it is so hard and demanding to do it and be successful. Um, and so again, kudos to guys like that that stick it out uh, for as long as they do. Definitely. All right. Before we get out of here real quick, I wanted to touch on the one AD two, uh, sawtooth conference boys basketball as well where you've got this race to the top between camas county and richfield these are two universally lauded top three teams in the state of idaho it doesn't matter if it's media poll coaches poll idahosports.com power rankings whatever it is the top three is in some order rockland richfield camas county and the crux of it is is that in a four-team league one of those two richfield or camas is going to be left at home for state. It's a one bid league, the yeah. state. So they, they've played twice this year. Each team is one Scott at the other team's place. So Richfield went to Fairfield earlier this month and, and got a 57 to 52 win. The rematch came in Richfield last week and Camus won that game 44 to 39. So it's pretty much as even as it can get. Yeah. And that, and that's the sad part about that whole thing is, you know, in the coaches poll, they're two and three. Um, so we're going to leave one of them home. And, and that's the unfortunate part. And if you're, you're coaching one of these teams, you know, you've got, you know, Camus at 11 and three 
and Richfield at 12 and two, knowing that there's a chance that you could make it to state and win a state title. You know, obviously you got to get through Rockland, right? But you have a chance to win a state title. You get there, you have a legitimate chance to win, but you also have the realistic possibility of staying home. You know, I mean, talk about the extremes on that one. Um, but, you know, looking um, ahead, they both have Rockland to play, correct? Yeah, so so Richfield played Rockland last night. They went to Rockland. Oh, right. Yes, I, I I couldn't remember if it was tonight or, or last night. And Rockland won that game 48 to 32. And then Camus will go to Rockland at the very end of the regular season, February 10th, in a rematch of last year's 1A D2 state championship, which Rockland won with about 20 seconds to go on a free throw. It was that close yeah. for, for the Mushers last year. So, yeah. And so, yeah, when you look at, you know, the, the top teams in that division, uh, Rockland is, you know, legit. I mean, 15 and 15 and one overall, um, but right behind them, Richfield and Camus, and one of them is staying home. And that's just awful to see. And because Richfield and Camus are both receiving first place votes in the state, you know? Yep. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's a lot on the line for these two teams. Yeah. And I think they know that then that's why they both yeah. scheduled road trips to Rockland to try and get ready for this, this, you know, do or die situation. Uh, Camus also this week beat Wendell in overtime. So that's a one, a D two beating a two, a, um, mm -hmm. and a really good two, a in Wendell, they won in overtime 68, 64. So Cam is continuing to play well, certainly. And for Richfield, they've got to get healthy. Their, their best player, Clay Kent, uh, has been out the last couple of games, uh, with, with an elbow injury. Um, and so hopefully he can get back for Richfield, um, and makes it even more tough, but man, we'll, we'll watch these two Duke and out of districts and, and Camas County hosts Dietrich tomorrow night. We'll, uh, or t tonight as we're recording this. So we'll keep an eye on that as well, but man, it it's going to be just like the one eighty one girls. It's going to be fascinating and heartbreaking all at the same time to watch. Yeah. So. Yep. That's exactly what it's going to be. So, yeah. uh, district tournament time when you've got these kind of teams that are flip a coin with or whomever, well, it's, it's must watch basketball. For sure. Well, next week on the podcast, we'll uh, we'll start breaking out the brackets. My my alter ego, Brackets Bainey, will come alive. <laughs> this is where I thrive: is breaking down the brackets. So I like it. I yeah, like it. We'll have we'll have district tournament brackets for you next week in girls basketball, and still some big boys basketball regular season stuff to talk about as well. All right, Scott. Uh, thanks as always. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Another another great podcast. Uh, appreciate uh, all of the coaches and and uh, getting back to us and, and helping us out with their stories. Uh, we love to tell them. So, you know, keep them coming. Uh, everybody has been so cooperative uh, in helping us get this stuff, you know, on the air. And it's, it's been a lot of fun making all these kind of connections uh, with people and, and these kids. And, you know, and I get messages all the time from, you know, coaches and kids and saw the podcast. Hey, that was awesome. It was great. You know, they just love being talked about. And so it's pretty cool. I love, I love what we're doing. Yeah. It's a, it's great to shine that spotlight on everybody. And if there's a story uh, or a team or a player you want us to talk about, send me an email, Brandon at idahosports.com. All right. Well, enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you next time for Scott Burton. I'm Brandon Bainey on the magic Valley prep cast on idahosports.com. <laughs>